you know, to me, my Christian life is not about what I would do for Jesus, but what he is able to be a resource for me to love through me because I don't have that love. Mm -hmm. But keeping awake also means constantly being available to Jesus to do that through me. Yeah. That's, you know, now the concept that John puts like abiding in him. So as I'm abiding in Jesus, he's able to, you know, I'm focused on him, you know, people, you know, stay awake, think, well, the master may come. He can come any minute. He can come any day. So am I today, am I living in that openness? Am I, am I, am I willing to obey if mm -hmm. he tells me to do something? If he tells, if he prompts me and, you know, so, so this, this word awake, I mean, we obviously haven't read that passage. I mean, you just told yeah. me literally 30 seconds before yeah. the, 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 the tape started rolling. So this, just, just seeing the awake, awake, stay awake, that would probably follow me yeah. for, for a while now. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here, and this is an exciting episode. So in episode eight, I had this, this traveler come through town all the way from Moldova, a pastor and seminary uh, president by the name of Yevgeny, and he came through and he said, anytime you're in Moldova, you stop on by, you're welcome. Well, I happen to be in Moldova. And so here I am with Yevgeny. Uh, we're actually getting ready to gather uh, with his church uh, family uh, at Kishnau Bible Church here in Kishnau, uh, Moldova, and we're going to worship. But before we do that, we thought we would jump on and record a podcast really quick. So we're in your office. Mm -hmm. and this is your space. It is. And uh, you got a wonderful town here. It's beautiful. Uh, in the spring, it's much. Yeah, warm. we're here. It's winter time, so you know everything's dormant. And but I understand this is a pretty green and luscious place. It uh, is during the summertime and in the spring. It is. Uh, so it's been over a year, just over a year. We were just talking. It was about uh, this time, uh, maybe plus or minus a few weeks, uh, a year ago that we met mm -hmm. and that you jumped on the podcast. Since that time. Russia invaded Ukraine. Yes. And uh, that has kind of changed the dynamics around here a little bit. So if you would, just catch us up and speak to what, what are the, the dynamics here for the church, for you? How, you know, what has the Lord been doing in the last year? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be on the uh, 60 uh six episodes 66 episodes. yeah so uh i really enjoyed the first one too uh yeah. the texas uh, weather was was awesome uh but yeah it it feels like it's been uh, an age ago but it also feels like it's just been recently right. uh because 2022 has turned out to be quite a um crazy year <laughs> uh in the beginning of the year around this time in february uh just little few few, few days from here uh is going to be a year we we thought we were not going to be here. Mm -hmm. We realized that uh, the invasion is not going to stop with uh, Southeastern Ukraine. Uh, mm -hmm. But the church in Moldova has responded in an amazing way. Uh, it came as a united front. Uh, mm -hmm. We started uh, about two weeks prior to the invasion. We felt that there's 
potential for the refugees. So we started preparing the Christian community and uh, as part of the church planting uh, platform called Exponential, we met with uh, a couple dozen pastors and we talked to them about this need. And it was on a day of the war actually that we were sharing it. So the church deployed and still continues to respond to the needs. Um, originally it was you know from the border all the way to basically from the Eastern border to the Western border, uh, housing people, transporting people, feeding people. Uh, sharing the gospel, working through their uh, psych- psychological um, uh, needs, counseling. We are now more into a maintenance mode. Hmm. Uh, there's about 100,000 Ukrainians remaining in the country. which 100,000 Ukrainians. It is the largest per capita uh, number of refugees uh, as compared to any other country in Europe that we've uh, seen through Moldova mm-hmm. and right now in Moldova. So it's been 11 months since this war started. And in that time, you now have 100,000 refugees from Ukraine residing in Moldova for we don't know how long they'll be here. We, we are a Russian-speaking country. So mm-hmm. even though Moldovans speak Romanian and Russian, uh, this is an understandable country to the Ukrainians. Right. So they it can, makes sense that they would stay here. Uh, many of them want to go back home. Uh, so with the, when the war is over, if there's a home left, they will go back home. And it's primarily women and children because most of the men, unless they were, I think it was if they have three or more children, yes, they can come with their children. They yes. can um, evacuate, uh, or if they're injured or something like that. Well, if they're physically unable to fight, right? Uh, but yes, uh, men and there are certain categories of uh, specialty citizens uh, like medical professionals who are supposed to be staying back in Ukraine. And many, even though they have three children or they have three children, they still choose to stay uh, back in Ukraine. Uh, so you've got a majority of your refugees, women and children, and so they're they're more vulnerable than... Mm-hmm. than and so what are some of the primary ways in which the church has been able to minister to them? I mean, it's it's a, it's a in general, the, the church has been mobilized and is active, but what does that actually look like? What are you guys doing? Well, one of the craziest things, uh, you know, a specific incident comes to my mind when there was a family from Odessa. Uh, they were connected to me through the church, but I didn't know who they were. Uh, it was a mother, uh, it was a 12 or 13-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old boy. And mm. between the three of them, the 9-year-old boy was the man in the family. Wow. He was negotiating his way down. And then looking at that, we realized that the human trafficking potential here is so huge mm-hmm. that as a Moldovan church, we actually started thinking about that immediately. We had one of our um, uh, church uh, elders uh, from another church that we, we work with uh, part of our network he basically came up in a conversation and said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put it the way he put it, but the way it sounded is basically is the dream of the human trafficker. So as the church, we got together, we created a Christian center, uh, we unified that into a single phone number, and then we put checkpoints. We got an opportunity to be on the other side of the border through the main checkpoint that the Ukrainians came through hmm. in the southern of, uh, part of Moldova. Right. And so from the time they hit that checkpoint, the orange tent, uh, it's actually, as far as I understand, it's still there uh, to the Moldova side. Of the, so Ukrainian side, Moldova side, there's an improvised bus station. There's a train station, our drivers, our refugee centers. We all try to create this one safe passage 
uh, for the Ukrainian women and children to where they would not be subjects, uh, they would not be uh, snatched anywhere on the way. Mm. So, yes, we spent more money by buying them a direct ticket to Germany, for example, rather right. than, you know, having them go, go, go to the train station in Bucharest and somebody's going to help you. But that also, as the church, uh, we were able to mobilize resources, and, you know, both human and financial, to be able to provide that safe passage. But also here, um, we, we partner with with Crew uh, Moldova. They uh, have a uh, center called Kavcheg, which is a word uh, in Russian for Ark. Uh, it's a day center where the mothers can bring their children. There's uh, professionals who are working with children and helping them uh, kind of like preschool and uh, basic school while there's uh, counselors sitting in the room having mm-hmm. tea, uh, talking with the ladies and we're feeding them uh, all a hot lunch. And so there's a way to where we're trying to engage with people and trying to become a place of refuge, like a church in Orhe that uh, you had a chance to visit mm-hmm. with us the other day. Uh, we thought that people would only come if we give stuff. Mm-hmm. But we found out that when we started bringing them on Wednesdays, they just started showing up every Wednesday, even though when we didn't give out stuff. And then when we didn't do one Wednesday, there was a lot of questions. Well, why? this is our time. This is our church now. And these are not believers in Jesus wow. Christ. But these are people who are in such a need where they needed a safe place. So we started creating the safe places, one here, one in Transnistria, which is on the other side of the Nistu River. Uh, it's still part of Moldova, but kind of under mm-hmm. a questionable uh, Russian uh, right. rule. But still, we're still able to work there. So this type of centers are created across Moldova by various Christian organizations. So it's really a whole Christian community of Moldova, not obviously not just our church but dozens and dozens of churches and organizations. Uh, well, one of the things that has stuck out to me that has been impressive and inspiring is the way that the Moldovan church unified almost like that, that you saw not only churches, but uh, parachurch ministries and and. Christian organizations recognizing what is their particular skill set, what do they contribute, and everyone was willing to kind of just share this and not need credit, not to say, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, but everyone's just like, it doesn't matter who gets the credit, we're going we're gonna to provide what we can, and... We're in this together. Well, we know, we know, we all talk about how when when the important things are come up, that when they come up, we 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 say that in our words, but in reality, until our lives are threatened, until our way of life is threatened, we you know we have our differences. There's reasons why we you know don't work with each other sometimes, where you know some history offenses. You know, you know, hurt feelings. Right. Uh, but to be honest, uh, in the first six months of the war. Um, when the need was more overwhelming than you know we didn't uh, we didn't have the resource so whatever you put in it was still not enough that was the time when we even didn't look like what was your history what wasn't you know we we, right. we, we met in the morning sometimes yeah. shook hands gave hugs even though we could go back to you know years of history when somebody said something or mm-hmm. and, and that was across the entire christian community there's still a lot of that still remaining uh, as we're continuing to look forward. I mean, this is not over yet. So. Yeah, but the divisive memories w- didn't come to the forefront. They well, didn't matter, and they still don't. Right. They still don't to a degree. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, catching us up. Obviously, that was a very brief synopsis of a, a year gone by. Yes. But uh, we came here to jump into the Word, and so I'd like to do that. 
Uh, I want to encourage folks listening. Uh, before we started recording, Evgeny and I took some time to pray, seek the Lord, ask for the Spirit to guide us. And I would encourage you to do the same in your, your practice of reading Scripture. So uh, here we go. We're in Mark 13, and we're going to finish out chapter 13 today. So we'll be looking at verses 32 through 37. A short little passage, uh, and it kind of draws a conclusion to this dialogue that Jesus has been having with his disciples. Uh, they had been exiting the temple um, at the beginning of chapter 13, and one of the disciples asked, or just kind of made a comment, look at these wonderful stones and buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And then this series of kind of clarity and speaking to different things, because at one point they're like, well, hey, uh, you know, the stuff you talked about with the stones not being left one on another and the destruction of the temple, when's that going to take place? Like, what, what would be the signs? And, and so he starts to unpack some of the things. And this topic is an area of lots of discussion within the Christian community. Uh, and it will it'll oftentimes draw in passages that come from the book of Revelation or draw from Old Testament references. Uh, it'll entail things like, you know, the reign of Christ, that, that millennial thousand-year reign. Is that literal, figurative? Is it happening now? Did it already happen? Is it going to happen? Uh, the return of Christ. Is Jesus going to come back uh, and kind of draw the people, kind of the, the rapture? Is he going to rapture people uh, in and then bring in this reign of wrath on people? Or is that going to happen with the return of Christ? Is there one return? Is there Are there two returns? Like, how do we... And so a lot of people like to rattle sabers about these things. And, and I continue to draw our attention to, rather than focusing on the wind down there and what the future holds and, and how that's all going to play out, it should draw our focus on what is our walk with the Lord look like today? We, we, we won't know with, with absolute certainty really all of these things until they, they come to fruition. What we can know is our response to the gospel today and our faithfulness to walk with Christ here and now. And so that's what I've brought us to to this point. So when we jump into this passage, that's kind of the context. Okay, awesome. Okay? So, uh, I'm reading from the ESV today. I don't know what passage. Same here. Same thing? Okay. So, let's jump in. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Okay. So we first look at this passage. We want to wrestle with, do we clearly understand what he's saying then we want to wrestle with what what was the meaning with the original audience? What are they understanding this to mean? How does this hit them? And then we wrestle with how is that significant for us today? So uh, are there things here that you think, man, that needs to be unpacked, that needs to be explained? Um, well, you know, obviously when 
we, we know there are no uh, chapters and verses in the original, right? So we, we always have to have to go from there because mm-hmm. you know the, when I teach hermeneutics, uh, I tell people that the first three rules of the biblical interpretation is context, context, context. Right. And so within the context, we realize that if you were to even look at the chapter in the beginning of the chapter, the question is, give us the sign. What are we to look for? And here Jesus basically says, there's no signs. Now, you know, like you said, if we can draw from other parts of, uh, you know, Revelation, Book of Daniel, First uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, uh, Matthew 24, mm-hmm. which is kind of a parallel pa- passage to this. But right. I think what Mark is trying to tell his audience, which we have to understand that Mark is trying to communicate something to his listeners. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes comparing it to the Gospel of Matthew, we may take away from what Mark is different trying to audience. say. Yeah. yeah, different audience. So here it does basically what Jesus is trying to say. It's not really about, you know, is Jesus omniscient? or not you know you know was it just because he was not resurrected and his glorified body or not but it's really about the situation where the disciples are who are saying well if we know the signs then maybe we can just wait until we see the signs and then we're going to start <laughs> right. acting up and then we're going to start right. waiting for the, for the for the messiah to come yes or for all these things because that's human nature yeah human nature is if i can put it off if i can procrastinate this life of faith and I don't have to be totally faithful now, and I know that it's going to happen next Tuesday, well, then I'll start, I'll start getting my act together next Monday. I don't have to do it now, right? Well, it's, it's a common response that we get sometimes when we share the gospel with people who are past their 30s or 40s. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will kind of get to a point where I understand that, but then they'll go like, well, I'll, I'll make a decision when I get older. But when, when you do that with young people, that's absolutely like I want to try everything in life and then I will believe. Yeah. So that whole thing is basically here, Jesus says, there may not come that time. There may not come, you know, because, you know, it, it's, I don't know if that happened in your life, but I'm just kind of thinking of how would I, how would I put um, this into my culture if I was the audience of Mark? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes as a kid, you know, in the 80s, the, there, were, there were really good action movies. You know, mm-hmm. I was an auto-believer. Uh, but as you would watch any of the action movie, there was a time when there would always be one uh, questionable scene. Not, not when the guys are fighting and shooting each other, but some kind of, a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, adulterous scene. And... It was the rule of thumb that as soon as something like that started coming up, my mom would have to walk in and, you know, <laughs> and like, oh, what are you watching here? And I would always have to explain myself away because I didn't, I, but I never knew when she was going to walk in. Right. right. And so when you think of, you know, Jesus basically says all these things when they're going to happen, you know, and, and he gives them their, you know, an mm-hmm. example that they will, that will understand, you know, about the master of the house. You know, yes. he's a master. He can walk anytime. You know, he's not going to give you a warning. He's not going to say, hey, heads up, I'm home. But when he shows up, are you going to be found faithful? He shows up and are you living the life? Uh, Are you, you you know, is is this part of your life or are you procrastinating waiting that you're going to see some signs? You know, the dogs are going to start barking in a a far way and, you know, because Mm -hmm. they smell you from afar. You know, the door is going to get, you know, slammed. And so, you know, that you need to get your act together. Yeah. So it's just kind of, yes, they will hear their example that, that makes sense to them. You know, I automatically think of an example in my life. Like, yeah, okay. You know, uh, I, yeah. I, I, can, I, 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 I know how that feels exactly. You know, when I, the master yeah. shows up. <laughs> my, so my mom would come home from work. She'd always get home around 5.30. I would get home from school around 3.30. So I'd have about two hours. But she had a, a rule. The house had to be clean when she got home. So I would inevitably, every single time, just put it off, put it off, put it off. And in the last five minutes, it was a scramble mm. 
to get everything cleaned up because I knew when she was coming. Sometimes she would come early. Sometimes she'd get her stuff figured out and she would show up at just around five o'clock. And I would say, well, if I'd known you were coming home early, I would have cleaned. And she's, and so there was that mentality that, yes, I'll put it off as long as I have to. Yeah. And the challenge here, and I think you've so appropriately placed it, it's, it's not about trying to guess the when or the signs, the hour, uh, but it has to do with our own heart mm-hmm. and our own faithfulness. Has, have we experienced a heart change that wants the things that he wants? that wants to live the way he wants to live and and to be attentive to him? Or do we actually still want the old way, but we want the benefits of of the gospel? We just don't want the lifestyle of the gospel. I think that's that's very telling of your heart. Have you truly had a transformed heart by Christ? Okay. So uh, I think you very appropriately identify this analogy that he, he gives here, which he gives because that would have made sense to them, mm-hmm. right? You have the, the players in this would be a man going on a journey when he leaves home, uh, puts his servant in charge. So this idea that this man is, is God, right? And he's, he's left, you know, his people, his disciples in charge, each with their work and commands the doorkeeper, stay awake. So be on guard, be, take care of my stuff, steward mm-hmm. my stuff. And, uh, the idea there then is, is is he referring to the disciples being those left in charge to steward? And as Jesus leaves, he will come back. They, they don't know when he's going to come back. And he says even angels nor the sun. So he doesn't even know himself. He's like, I don't know when I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. The angels don't know. So therefore, I can't tell you when it's going to happen. So don't read too much into when it's going to happen because not even I know. But... Here's what you need to be concerned about, and that is, are you found faithful like these servants or not? And you, if you backtrack a little bit to what sparked this, you know, because this is more of a conclusion to right. the response, but when Jesus was trying to tell him, he was going to talking about the destruction of the temple, but he's also talking about, I will rebuild it within three days. Right. You know, he's trying to give them the, you know, a prophecy in a picture uh, when you think of the Mount of Olives, uh, any, anybody who's been to Israel and if you ever stood on the Mount of Olives observing the Temple Mount, mm. uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a beautiful image. Uh, it's, everything is as if you were just looking at it on, on, on just like, a, like, like on the palm of your hands. You know, you're, you're there and, and, and you're observing. I mean, there's just a big, huge temple that used to stand there. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, we, we know the second temple, Herod, all the beauty and stuff. And then when Jesus, he says, he sat opposite on the Mount of Olives of the Temple Mount, and he basically says, none, there's not going to be a stone left over, you know, on top of each other. You, you know, when you look at something like that, you know, even today, if you told me that, 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 that it's going to get destroyed, I'd say it'd take, you know, a pretty huge bomb or, mm. you know, a few of them to do that. And so he's trying to give them a, an image of him replacing that right you know when he talked about you know earlier i guess if we think of his interaction mm-hmm. with samaritan woman worshiping in spirit and truth not in this mount not not, not in this mount not, not not in jerusalem will they worship but they will worship in spirit, spirit and truth, and truth yeah. he's about to go i mean he's about he's 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 getting to go he's yeah uh you know this is mark 13 i mean there's only 13 you know 16 chapters and at the same time it's he's trying to refocus their attention it's like mm-hmm. okay it's not really about the destruction of the temple it's about him. It's about Jesus being that 
temple. Right. So keep awake. Uh, you know, he, he, he repeats that. You know, we see repetition of that word mm-hmm. of being aware, being awake, not sleeping. And I think yeah. that also, you know, means to like, okay, try to see what I'm trying to tell mm-hmm. you. Yeah, verse 35, therefore stay awake, right? The conclusion is if if the disciples or even us are, are those servants in this analogy or this metaphor, <clears throat> the conclusion is stay awake, be alert, right? Don't be found sleeping would be the opposite. Yeah, 33, be on guard, keep awake. You know, yeah. it's just, it just, like he repeats over and over. And, you know, sometimes as speakers, uh, you know, I preach and sometimes with my wife uh, or somebody else gives me critique. It's like, you know, well, you repeated this phrase, you know, like, you know, it, it was a tautology. You, you know, you, you, you mentioned it too many times. And when you think of it, you know, it, but in Jewish culture, you know, if you, you imagine Jesus speaks here Aramaic or Hebrew, uh, it's pretty much uh, the repetition is the emphasis. You know, when he mm-hmm. says that two or three times, when he says that three times, it's important. It's I think that's important. what he's trying to emphasize. And so if his emphasis is stay awake... What are ways in which we tend, either as individuals or as the church, to, to sleep? How are we not alert? What are the things that would draw us away from being awake? Uh, you know, I tend to believe that you can do it in a, you know, in a church that seems to appreciate a lot of the duty mm-hmm. or the autos. And when you, you know, because... By thinking that you're fulfilling all kinds of laws and, you know, I haven't done this and, you know, I dress up in a proper way, uh, you know, we, we, we are faithful to sing this many songs and then preach this many hours and we're, we're doing the expository preaching. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can, be, we can fall asleep, lull ourselves to sleep thinking right. that we're just doing the right actions. I think it's really more about, you know, the way I would say is, you know, keeping away from sin and being obedient, but obedience sometimes also... Uh, means not just keeping a set of rules, because sometimes our set of rules can uh, pull, pull, put us to sleep, and we, we we may deceive ourselves that you know oh, you know we're good, we're fine. Yeah, I, you know have have you done your checklist today? I've done my checklist. Yet, does that mean that you've li- lived an obedient mm-hmm. life? Uh, have, have you listened to the Spirit speaking to you? So right. it could it could go one or the other way. Um, yeah, I would say related to that is is the question of focus. What are we focused on? And is it the thing we ought to be focused on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, referring to what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Am I going to have enough money? Am I provided for? Uh, there's this sense of am I taking care of the temporal things and is that my primary concern? Or is my primary concern God and his kingdom? Is it heavenly things? Is Am I, am I heaven-minded? Or am I earthly minded, right? And the temptation comes, I mean, we spoke a little bit more about the experiences. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned about the, the scriptures and reading the scriptures in the last, I would say, 12 months now, is that in a peacetime, in a regular time, when you go and, you know, you've got your you know, regular routine and you're, you know, you pick up your battles with a, you know, a TV channel or, you know, some anchor that said that something that you don't like or... Uh, it's a very different reality when your life is threatened, your mm-hmm. way of life is threatened. So when you're reading the scriptures, I have found that I, I am reading the scriptures with a different eyes because of my personal experiences. It doesn't mean I read my experiences into the scriptures, but some things come vivid when you ask to love your enemy, you know, uh, or when you think of a mm-hmm. zealot, what is a zealot? 
when you know when you start leaving that and here when you think of a life you know the life of obedience you know are are you are you just doing things because it's comfortable or because the life experiences that bring you know give the challenge to you emotionally are you you know for me am, am i able to love a russian person mm-hmm. i'm not even saying a russian soldier at this point because i had found some things inside of me and i've been a believer for 29 years i have pastored this church for 18 years as one of the, as a teaching pastor and i thought that you know this there was enough time to eradicate a lot of the bad stuff out of my uh, mm-hmm. heart and um i was very surprised to mm-hmm. see that i kind of loved myself with, with with all that uh you know f- with all those feelings but all the swear words i remembered them mm-hmm. i said some of them uh all the bad feelings and animosity towards somebody who appeared to support a uh you know the russian invasion uh it really angered me and it mm-hmm. was not a righteous anger so did i i mean did i lull myself to sleep was i awake was i understanding that what 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 what, what would be my um i guess posture should christ have come right at that time mm. and it's a sobering thought was a still is point for me I, man I, i really appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and to be honest about the circumstances the challenges in our life the 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 pressure or the the crucible of our experiences can reveal ways in our life impurities in the way that we're living and thinking and so then the question is how do we respond to those do we rationalize them with a standard that the world might go hey Evgeny no no one's going to blame you that's a totally understandable response or are you convicted by God's word and his spirit to go that is not that's not the way of Christ and i've got to address that and it, and it's interesting you say that because i had shared that and you know you can probably tell from me i'm fairly you know what you see is what you get right and uh i've also found it's um it it helps uh psychologically so you know as a pastor i can help lead somebody mm-hmm. but here when you are the pastor and everybody comes to you sometimes you 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 have to you you have to <laughs> yeah. figure out ways how to yeah. get uh, stay stay sane and that was that that was the response i was getting from even like the pastors and mentors mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, every, nobody would blame you, right? You know, it's okay that you're feeling those feelings. I understand it's okay that I'm feeling those feelings, but before Christ, right there, mm-hmm. deep down in my spirit, I'm feeling that something is not right. You know, when Jesus told the Jewish people, love your enemy, and the enemy for them was as real as and the enemy that I see right now. Now, yeah. I'm Jewish, and I'm Ukrainian. So right now, according to the, you know, the ideology of the attacking side, I pretty much don't don't have a right to exist. Right. You're you're the wrong guy. And you know, my my family went through this deal in 20th century, you mm-hmm. know, I've had people killed, you know, through the Holocaust. And then now, you know, now I'm Ukrainian and so now this happens again but just for the different, you know, mm. race and you know, language or reason. But at the same time, you know, am I going to take the zealot stance or am I going to take the Christ, you know, you know, love your enemy, you know, mm-hmm. Pray for you know, those forgive, persecute, yeah. pray for those, you know, yeah. you know, take go go the second mile, go the extra mile, mm. and that has been convicting. It still is. I can't say that I'm I'm there, but when you when Jesus here in this passage says stay awake, he's talking more about the hearts of the disciples rather than about hey I'm com- going to come at that time. I mean, there is a conversation, uh, you know, and it's good around the cup of coffee among the theologians and friends. It's a inside of the Christian world conversation, right. but I was. I was going to say in the very beginning there's this phrase 
uh, said by one of the famous uh, missionaries uh, who said, uh, why are we arguing about the second coming of Jesus when half the world hadn't heard of the first? Mm. So we are not done with the, with the Great Commission. Right. Why are we wasting time trying to figure out some of those, <laughs> you so know, good. Things, yeah. things that there might happen or how right. they will happen? Oh, that's so good. Well, so if you had to kind of pull one one takeaway or, or one nugget that you would go, man, that's going to help me follow Christ today and to live for him, what would that be? It's the whole idea of staying awake before the Lord mm-hmm. and trusting him. Um, because, you know, to me, my Christian life is not about what I would do for Jesus, but what he is able to be a resource for me to love through me, because I don't have that love. Mm-hmm. But keeping awake also means constantly being available to Jesus to do that through me. Yeah. That's, you know, now the concept that John puts like abiding in him. So as I'm abiding in Jesus, he's able to, you know, I'm focused on him. You know, people, you know, stay awake. Think, well, the master may come. He can come any minute. He can come any day. So am I today, am I living in that openness? Am I, am I, am I willing to obey if mm-hmm. he tells me to do something? If he tells, if he prompts me, and, you know, so, so this, this word awake, I mean, we obviously haven't read that passage. I mean, you just told yeah. me literally thirty seconds before yeah. the, 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 the the tape started rolling. So this just just seeing the awake, awake, stay awake, that would probably follow me yeah. for, for a while now. Yeah, and I would uh, in in a similar way my my temptation is not necessarily to be asleep, but to be distracted. So I'm not alert. Uh, I can even my my kids give me a hard time that Sometimes when I'm on my phone and I'm answering emails or I'm checking things and they're talking to me and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And as I'm looking at my phone, I am not focused on them. I am distracted. I'm divided in my attention. And so in the same way, are there things in this world that have me distracted or, or have my attention to where I'm only, I may be awake, but I'm not alert. And I think that there's a a small nuance there Mm. that it's easy for me to be distracted and not alert to the things I ought to be. And, and so this is a very strong reminder, Mm. not just as a pastor, but as a, as a Christian, Mm. as a son of the most high God, am I focused on him and am I alert to what he's doing right now in my life and around me and the people that he's brought into my life? Am I alert to opportunities that that may come my way or a person that wants to talk with me? Or I'm driving down the road and there's a way that I can behave as a driver to other people and am I alert to those opportunities and the way that I'm representing Christ? So that's where I think in a similar way, this awake or alertness uh, lands for me. I want to encourage people as you are taking on this text and wrestling with the scripture yourself uh, in the same way that we have distilled down what this text means for us and in the way that it challenges us, not specifically that it has a different meaning for us, but how does that meaning become significant in our lives today? Because I want to challenge you. It's not as though the meaning of this passage changes over time. Its significance may be different for different people in different locations. Even now, as, as I'm talking with Yevgeny, I realize I'd, I have not experienced anything 
close to that kind of aggression near me, the kind of aggression that Russia is placing on the Ukrainian people. And so when he reads, man, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that, that I cannot relate to that. It doesn't mean that it's not true and that it doesn't have meaning, but it's significance for him and me, different levels of significance because of where we are and what we're feeling and experiencing. And so wrestle with this truth and how it is significant for you today. Uh, for those of you who are, are tuning in and are not believers, still wrestle. I am so encouraged that you take and read the scriptures. I think that is, uh, it speaks to a wise um, endeavor, and it's not a waste of time to read the scriptures. Uh, for those that you are believers, I encourage you to live in light of this truth, to be filled uh, with this, this knowledge so that you can live wise and obedient, faithful lives for Christ so that others can see you living those and so that you can be a witness. Um, in Titus, Paul talks about the, the sound teaching or the, the healthy doctrine when lived out adorns the gospel of Christ, that it, it draws attention and attracts people to it. And so we want to be people that are living in light of this truth so that we're drawing, we're adorning the doctrine of God in a way that people are drawn to the love that is found in Christ alone. Thank you for tuning in. Yevgeny, thank you for being with us. Um, I think what you've shared really gives us some things to pray about and pray for as we think about you and the Moldovan church and the Ukrainian refugees and, and even the Ukraine church uh, that, that's in a very tough spot as well. I want to encourage folks here, uh, if you, uh, you're you a first-time uh, tuner-inner uh, to the podcast, I encourage you to subscribe, like, do all the stuff you're supposed to do to these things because that helps people find us and be aware of this. And again, the goal is not that our names would become great, but that His name would become great and that He would be known. And I want more people reading the Word of God because I, I know that there's life in there. And we don't need more ideas of men. We need the ideas of the inspired Word of God. They are God's ideas themselves. Uh, thank you for your support of the podcast. You can go visit 22beans.com. They support the podcast and help uh, with the editing costs. Also, a new feature on this podcast is uh, you can. there's a link uh, in the description uh, that you can click on, and you can actually buy me a cup of coffee. There's a way that you can click that link and you can fill my, my cup of coffee for future episodes. No one's done it yet, so I'm curious to see who the first is going to be. I will definitely give you a shout out on the next podcast, but click that link. You can buy me a cup of coffee. It would be a, a neat part of the story of this podcast. So thank you for tuning in, and I encourage you that what you have witnessed is two men that believe this to be the very Word of God. We believe that Jesus came in the flesh he lived a real life in history. He physically died, and he physically rose again, conquering death in the grave. And in and through him alone do we have life. And so we believe that to be absolutely 100% true, and I encourage you to wrestle with that yourself. Have a great rest of your day, and I encourage you to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Amen. Blessings.